Welcome to the podcast of Maranatha Ministries. I'm Rick Frank, Senior Pastor of Maranatha, and I pray you'll be blessed by today's message. You can access all of our church information by going to our website at www.mmchurch.com or on all social media by searching at mmchurch. And now be blessed by listening to today's message. I am reading from... Uh, put my scripture up there for some reason. It's not hitting it. I am reading from Psalm 102. I'm going to finish up what we started last week, verse number 1. This is called the prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. I believe that was the uh, basically the gist of the message and interpretation of tongues that we heard today. Hear my cry. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. And from that, we are talking about the prayer of the afflicted. This is part two. I'm going to finish this up today. And uh, I want to talk about some things. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your blessings. You are great and greatly to be praised. And we're so thankful for the Spirit of God that we feel in this place today in the presence of the Lord. We're asking, God, that you will touch and bless in this house, anoint my lips and anoint the hearts and the ears and the understanding of all of the hearers today, both here and online, that we might be blessed and touched by your Spirit. In Jesus' wonderful and precious name, we ask for your glory. Everyone said amen. amen. I want to read to you verses 3 through 8 real quick as we continue on of Psalm 102. For my days are consumed like smoke. My bones are burned like a hearth. My heart is stricken and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. Because of the sound of my groaning, my bones cling to my skin. I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. I lie awake and am like a sparrow alone on the housetop. My enemies reproach me all day long. Those who deride me swear an oath against me. I want to talk to you about what we are going through, what the psalmist is going through, and what we go through in our lives and in the situations that we are confronted with, sometimes on a continual basis. He mentions here that uh, he, in verse number four, he says, makes a statement that lets you know how deeply um, distressed the psalmist is. I'm going to take us down, and I'm going to pick us back up again. All right? So bear with me as I press us down. Don't get too discouraged. If you're watching online, don't shut it off when you feel discouraged, because I'm going to show you what the answer to it all is. So bear with me here. He mentions that he's so depressed and so discouraged that he has forgotten to eat his bread. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've ever fought depression to the degree that you can no longer eat. Uh, I don't know if you've been so discouraged with life that you didn't feel like sitting down to eat, that you just didn't want to eat. It, it, it can and does indeed get that bad. Sometimes it can be a mental battle. Sometimes it can be a physical battle. Sometimes it can be a social battle. Sometimes it can be a spiritual battle. But they all affect each other. Every kind of battle you face affects every aspect of your life if it goes deep enough. What do, I, what do I mean by that? Well, if you're going through a mental battle, it'll eventually affect you physically, socially, and spiritually. 
How many of you have been through a physical battle and it affected you mentally and spiritually? and socially. Sometimes we go through a social battle and it affects us mentally, physically, and spiritually. And sometimes it's a spiritual battle that turns around and affects us mentally, physically, and socially. And so they all interweave with one another so that when you are fighting a battle, it affects all of your life. And the deeper it goes, the more your life is affected. This psalm writer is going through a mental, physical, social, and a spiritual crisis, so much so that he said his heart was smitten like grass and withered, and so he forgot to eat his bread. He's not talking about a slight problem. He's not talking about an obstacle to overcome. He's talking about a situation in life that has caused him to go so low receive a blow that wounded him so much. We're not talking about a bruised muscle. We're not talking about a slight uh, scratch on the skin. We're talking about something so deep that it's caused him to forget to eat his bread. Anyone who has experienced serious loss, experienced depression, or anything like that, can say that they know what this psalm writer is experiencing when he says he forgot to eat. Have you ever been so bad off you lost your appetite? If you've ever suffered depression, you know what losing your appetite is like. If you've ever suffered through depression, you'd know what feeling isolated is like. You'd know what social battles are like, spiritual battles are like. And I don't mean to limit this to depression, but many times, as I said, physical, social, or mental can affect us so that it affects us in a way of being depressed. The body and the mind cannot function properly without the proper nutrition. This is not a class on nutrition by any stretch of the imagination. But when we become depressed, we tend to do the things that make it worse. When we fight a battle, we tend to lean on the things that make the battle harder to fight. When we get discouraged, we tend to stay away from church. When we become depressed, we tend to cut ourselves off from those that love us. When our body needs nourishment the most, we feel like not eating. When our spirits need strength the most, we struggle the most in prayer. Can you say amen? The very thing we need is the very thing that's the most difficult to do. And that's why we cannot walk by feeling, but we must of necessity walk by faith. And so he said, by the voice of my groaning, my bones are cleaving to my flesh. He was lonely. He was sleepless. He was reproached. And he went on in verse 5 and 6 to say this, and this is an interesting statement. He says, I'm like a pelican of the wilderness, and I'm become as an owl of the waste places. Now, a pelican and an owl in the Bible are unclean birds. They're not good. They're not looked upon with... Uh, any, any kind of, any kind of uh, love or respect. The pelican and the owl. He said, I've become like the pelican of the wilderness and I've become like the owl of the waste places. 
And uh, we see in this a certain uh, definite representation of loneliness and depression. He was not comparing himself to the eagle that flies high above the mountaintops and high above the difficulties. That's not what he's comparing himself to. He's comparing himself to the pelican in the wilderness. And then he goes on in verse number 6 and he says this, I watch and am become like a sparrow that is alone on the housetop. Now sparrows don't usually hang out by themselves. We've got a, I must be a whole flock of sparrows that live in this pine tree right behind my garage. And as the weather starts getting cold, if you look closely, all of those branches are just filled with these little birds, these little sparrow birds. And oftentimes I'll walk out my back door to come over here to the church uh, and uh, there'll be a couple of sparrows on the, on the pavement and they'll actually walk over and go under my car uh, and go out the other side. And as I walk past the car, I see them walk back under the car. To go. They're in pairs, triplets groups, flocks, several of them when they fly back and forth and they're getting ready for winter and they're all working together. But here, here is something different because the psalmist writes here and says, I'm like a sparrow that's been cut off from the flock. I'm like the sparrow that's alone. I'm like the sparrow that's operating by myself. He said, I'm like a sparrow that is alone on a housetop. Very discouraging, very depressing statements he's making. And in fact, this is what Jesus said about sparrows. Jesus said that sparrows are sold two for a penny. You don't even buy them in the, one at a time. You buy them two for a penny. That's how worthless they are, number one. A, a sparrow's worthless only worth two of them for a penny. Who would even buy one? You buy two of them and you get them for a penny. That's what Jesus said. Are not sparrows sold two for a penny? One sparrow's only worth a half a cent. And they're sold two for a penny. And yet Jesus said this. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet, yet, not one of them not one of the pair, not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. He didn't say they would not fall to the ground. He said when they do, they will not be outside their father's care. I'm here to tell you wherever you are, whatever you go through, regardless of how deep it is, how hard you've hit the ground, you are not outside your father's care. Praise God. He went on to say in verse uh, 8, My eyes reproach me all the day. They are mad against me. They that are mad against me do curse by me. You know what he's saying right there? The ones that are mad at me, they use me as a curse. Here's what, they're, here's what he's saying. He's saying that when they want to curse somebody, they say, I hope your life becomes like his. They're using him as an example of how they wish their enemies would turn out. I hope your life turns out like his. That's how bad his life is. I wish it on my enemies. I'm talking about somebody who's in a dire place here. I'm talking about someone who's hit rock bottom. Rock bottom. At least when you hit rock bottom, you got something solid to stand on, I guess, huh? Huh? <laughs> 
Nobody wants to say amen to that? At least when you hit rock bottom, you got something solid to stand on. Praise God. In a culture where ill health was regarded as divine punishment, ill health was regarded as divine punishment. Remember Job. What did Job say when he was in ill health? He considered it some kind of punishment, didn't he? And he said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. He considered his punishment from God for something he did wrong. And so did his comforters, by the way. They showed up to say, why don't you just admit what you did wrong and get over this? Job didn't know what he did wrong. Job believed he didn't do anything wrong, but he did believe that his curse came from God. That is what we oftentimes fall into. My curse comes from God. I'm here to tell you, Job's curse did not come from God. The God never laid his finger on Job to curse him. God simply allowed the devil to come in to touch Job. And sometimes it is the curse of this world and the curse of our adversary, the devil, that causes us trouble. Look to God for your help, not to blame. And I'm almost done to get to the next part. We've got to, I just want to finish this up. He said, I have eaten ashes like bread. I've mingled my drink with weeping because of your indignation and your wrath. You see that? He thought God was doing this to him. I'm going to ask you something. I'm not going to ask you to answer me. I'm just going to ask it and answer it in your heart. How many of you have ever said, God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? You know what you're saying, aren't you? God, this is your fault. <laughs> huh? Why, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Because of your indignation and your wrath, he said, you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like shadow that lengthens and I wither away like grass. He believed it was divine wrath that was the ultimate cause of all of his suffering. And that's what oftentimes we end up going to. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about hard times. Hard times are that much more difficult to conquer when you believe God's doing it to you. If you believe God is doing this to you, who do you go to for help? Huh? Who do you go to? If God's doing this, who do I turn to for help? I can't turn to you because you're lower than God. I certainly am not going to turn to the devil. He's evil. If God is doing this, where else is there to go? I want to tell you something, folks. God is a very present help in the time of need, not a curse in the time of need. <laughs> Praise God. And so the psalmist comes to the place finally here when he says, there are those saying, in one place the Bible said, they say there's no help for me in God. But you are my shield, my shield round about me. It's all the more difficult when we think God's doing it. But then something happens. And this is what happens in every biblical lament. And there are many lamentations throughout the Bible. A whole book written out, as I mentioned last week. 
And many of the Psalms are laments, and it is okay to lament. How many of you ever looked at life circumstances and complained? How many of you ever groaned in your own spirit? How many of you ever complained in your own heart about how things are, and how life turned out, and how this is wrong, how that's wrong? And How many of you ever done it? Come on, I've done it. If you haven't done it, tell me what you do that makes you so perfect to get to the place where nothing ever goes wrong in your life. Because sooner or later, things go wrong and we wonder why. Why? And even though we don't blame God, sometimes we wonder why God allows it to happen. Don't you wonder that sometimes? God, why would you allow this to happen to me? I'm here to tell you, nothing happens to you that God won't make you stronger for if you will seek him out and find him in it. And that's some good preaching right there. Nothing. No thing ever happens to you that if you will put it into the hands of God, he won't use it for your good and your benefit. Praise God. But then after all of this, all the complaints, how bad it is, how difficult it is, he turns to this as every lament must. This is what gives me hope. Let me ask you today before I go any further, what gives you hope? What gives you hope? The fact that your job might not have these layoffs, is that what gives you hope? The fact that the stock market might not crash, is that what gives you hope? The fact that you might be able to scrape together enough money to pay your rent this month, is that what gives you hope? Songwriter wrote and said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, Jesus' love and righteousness. That's what gives me hope. That's what gave Job hope. Though the skin worms destroy my flesh, yet in my flesh I shall see God. That's what gives me hope. Come on, somebody. Here's what gives me hope. You ready for Psalm 102? I'm not putting it on the screen because i got too much to read. But listen to what he said in verse number 12. Here's what gives me hope. He said, you, O Lord, shall endure forever. You shall endure forever. Which means no matter where I go, how deep I go, how low I go, you are still on your throne. And as long as you are still on your throne, I have a hope of everlasting life. And the remembrance, you're on your, you, O Lord, shall endure forever in the remembrance of your name to all generations. You will arise and have mercy in Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the time, the set time has come. When the time is right, you'll straighten this whole thing out. I know for sure you're on the throne. And when the set time comes, I will come forth victorious. Listen to me. Listen to me. When the set time comes, I will come forth victorious if I continue to serve him. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. 
Your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. So the nations shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. And listen to verse 17. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. The only true failure you can ever arrive at, arrive at is to stop praying to God. Do you hear me? That's the only true failure you can make that is everlasting. And we all fail. And I'm here to tell you, some of our problems are our own fault. Some of the hard places we walk through is our own doings. Sometimes we are reaping what we sowed. That's the way it is. Not everything. Not everything is your fault. Some things are just a plain old life. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust. It doesn't matter if you can find the blame or not. It doesn't matter if you can figure out why all this happened or not. What matters is, is that you understand that this too shall pass if I continue serving God. Can you say amen? And then he said in verse 18, you ready for this one? This is what we miss so often in our hardships. We lose sight of this because our hardships cause us to focus inward. That's what they do. Listen to what he said. In verse 18, this will be written for generations to come. That a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Have you ever stopped to think that the very thing you're struggling with and fighting with right now and the hardships you are facing and you don't know how you're going to get through this and you don't even feel like getting through it and you want to give it up and forget it and you want to walk away and stop praying and you want to do all the things we talked about earlier. Have you ever thought that God is going to use your situation that you are going through right now so you can turn around and help someone Somebody coming behind you who also has to face the same circumstances you are facing right now and you will be able to help them because you've been there. Because you've been there. That's what he said. He said it could be, and I'm going all through this, so that it can be written for the generations to come. That a people yet to be created will praise the Lord because they saw we made it. And if we made it, they can make it. If you make it, somebody else can make it. I can serve God because they're still serving God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. He looked down, verse 19 says, from the height of his sanctuary, from heaven the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release the appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord because God is above time and he's above problems. He's above it. That's why Job finally said, though he slay me, I trust him because he's above all this. 
See, here's what we need to understand. He is the captain of the ship. Jesus is the captain of the ship. We are sometimes on the bottom of the boat. How many of you feel like you're on the bottom of the boat sometimes? I don't mean the bottom on the inside of the boat. <laughs> How many of you feel like one of those snails that gets stuck on the bottom? What do they call those? What do they call those things? Huh? Barnacles. How many of you have ever felt like a barnacle? <laughs> you're underwater. All the muck and the mire and the seaweed clings to you. You're driving through. And it's a mess. Your life is a mess. But guess where the barnacle ends up? On the port on the other side where the ship is going. Why? Because the captain's not underwater covered with seaweed. The captain's not down below where he can't see where he's going. Listen to me, my friend. Hold on tight to the ship, whether you're in it or clinging to the outside of it. Never let go of Jesus because he is above it all. He is not being affected by what you're being affected with. And he knows how to lift you out of it whenever the time is right. Whenever he says, okay, that's enough for you. He'll take the barnacle and pull it off. The only difference is the world throws it away. Jesus takes it to himself. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he said. <laughs> Praise God. And that's what gives me hope. Let me close by saying this. As we stressed and talked about last week, the challenge is to identify not with what the psalmist is going through. You see, we have no problem with that now, do we? Because every one of us can look at our lives and see what's wrong in it. Because every one of us have struggles that we have to fight. Life is a struggle. Life is a struggle. We have a dear friend of ours, First Lady, from back when we were teenagers together, <laughs> who always said, life is a hassle at best. That's what he's, at best, life is a hassle. <laughs> you feel that way sometimes? At best, the best it is, is a hassle. I don't even want to talk about what it is at its worst. But the psalmist stressed that although the heavens wear out like an old garment, he who is above time will accomplish his saving plan because God is above it all. You see, when we're shaken and when we're being tossed to and fro, it is time for you to examine where your anchor is hooked. When you're distraught in your mind and you want to give up and call it a day, walk away, you can't fight the battle any longer. 
you need to stop everything and check to see where you've placed your anchor. Because if your anchor is on this world of shifting sand, then your boat will be tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. But if your anchor is rooted in the solid rock, Christ Jesus, then when the storms of life come and the winds blow and the rains fall and it beats upon the house, Jesus said that house will not be shaken because it was founded upon a rock. What's important is not what's going on around us. What's important is what we're planted on. I've been in the woods. Jameson and I have gone on hikes. I have seen trees blown over by storms. I've been in the woods during storms. I've seen big, huge trees bend against the wind. Some of those fell over. Some don't. The only difference, because they both look the same above ground, but the only reason one fell and one didn't was because one was able to get its roots deep. The trees that blow over in the storms are the ones whose roots don't go deep. They go sideways. They stay surfacy. Don't be surfacy. Dig deep. Dig deep in your prayer life. Dig deep in your Bible reading. Dig deep in loving one another. Dig deep in doing good to one another. Dig deep in being kind to one another. Dig deep because the storms of life, they do come. And the pressures of this world, they do come. But the house that's built upon the solid rock does not fall. And so the prayer of lament is, here's what's distressing me, but here's what gives me hope. My friend, let Jesus be your hope. Can we stand together? Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Ministries podcast. If this message touched you, please make sure to subscribe for more sermons from Pastor Frank and the ministry team here at Maranatha, as well as follow us on our social media platforms. We are located in Schenectady, New York, and if you are in the area, we invite you to join us during our weekly Sunday service starting at 10.30 a.m. We look forward to you joining us again next week for another anointed message. Thank you, and God bless.